ELC Radio. Imagine with me for a moment what could be. Imagine a world where men lead in their marriages, where men lead in raising their children, where men lead in protecting those who are weak and oppressed. It is the most important journey you could possibly be on. Men of ELC, join us for Kingsman, the second Friday of each month at 7 p.m., 2830 G Street. Iron sharpens iron. Love God, lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's our very special guest from Elevate Life Church Children's and Nursery Ministries, Rebecca Fielding. story. How many of you guys love a good story? I love a good story. You know, when I read the Bible, I think about stories that, man, no Lifetime movie could have made up. Um, There's no drama series that can compare to some of these crazy stories that are in the Bible. What's that show out right now? Oh my gosh, what is it with uh, Mandy Moore and... This is us. Every time I watch that show, I cry. Man, I literally had to stop watching that show because I was tired of crying so much. But it's such a drama series. Um, but there's no great, greater Bible uh, stories than the ones that we have in the Bible. And today we're going to be talking about David, okay? Now, David, when you think of David, you think about this heroic guy, right? You think about this guy who was able to defeat bears and lions and giants. Um, that he was a king um, to the throne of Saul, and Saul even tried to kill him a few different times, and he didn't because he said, you know what, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. And so the Bible even says that David's heart was for God. He was a, he was a man after God's heart. So David was a great king, but David was a lousy father, okay? A lot of people don't touch on that. We see how great of a king and how heroic he was, and he wrote the book of Psalms, and he defeated giants in the land, but we sometimes forget how lousy of a father he was. And so we're going to, today, we're going to dive a little bit into that today. We're going to let his breakthrough be our acceleration, okay? We're going to learn lessons from his life so that we don't repeat it for ourselves, and so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a backstory of what we're talking about. So this is going to be in 2 Samuel. We're talking about David, and he has a ton of kids, okay? David um, was a womanizer. He had a ton of wives and a ton of concubines. And what a concubine actually is is basically like additional lovers 
to the king that are not his wife. So they don't have all of the privileges, but they're still associated with who the king is. And so the story we're going to talk about today is Absalom, Tamar, and Ammon. And so Ammon, uh, Tamar, and Absalom, they're all siblings, okay? And so they're in this kingdom, a little bit of a backstory. Um, Ammon was infatuated with his sister Tamar. He had no desire to marry her, All he wanted to do was sleep with her. And it says that he had these lustful thoughts that occupied his mind so much that it literally made him sick. And so he had this cousin. And I'm just going to call him Cousin Jay because his name is a little bit hard to pronounce. But Cousin Jay was equally disgusting, okay? He wasn't a good person. And he devised a plan so that Amon could sleep with his sister Tamar. And if we can go ahead and put up that scripture, I'm going to be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 13. So it says, so Amon laid down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Ammon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Ammon who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, and made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Ammon said, so everyone left him. Then Ammon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her sin brother Ammon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and he said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Ammon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had ever loved her. Ammon said to her, get up and get out. I'm going to go ahead and just pray over this message. Holy Spirit, I pray today, Lord, for just an atmospheric shift. God, there's nothing that I can do to change people's hearts. It's going to be you and your Holy Spirit to lead us. I pray that our minds would be open, our hearts would be open. I pray that your spirit would be in this place, that your spirit would speak to us, God. I pray, Lord, that we would even be a little bit uncomfortable with this word. We should be uncomfortable with this word, Lord. We should be uncomfortable with things in our lives that are not right. And I pray, God, that you would begin to expose things inside of us that have been hidden things in us that we've put behind closed doors things that we don't want to talk about I pray that you would begin to bring those to the surface in Jesus name amen so uh, um, during this part basically what happened is Amon violated his sister Tamar and Tamar was absolutely devastated back in those days it was if you actually committed rape you were um, going to be exiled and there was execution upon your life now when a woman was raped it was in disgrace you know it could be her word against his word but what reality is is that she was going to be a woman who had sex out of marriage and nobody would want her and that leads to so many other areas inside of her life she's not going to be able to work she won't be able to provide for herself she won't 
be able to have her own children, her own land, or her own family. So she runs to her brother Absalom, and he is upset. So her brother Absalom said to her, Has your brother Ammon bidden with you? Now keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So Tamar remained secluded in her brother Absalom's house. Now when King David heard about all these things, he was very angry, but he failed to take any action. But Absalom did not speak to Ammon either, good or bad, for Absalom hated Ammon because he had violated his sister Tamar. How incredibly disappointing. Have you guys ever felt disappointed or hurt or rejected or felt left out? You know, this isn't, a, this isn't an everyday Sunday message where we hear how King David knew about something that had occurred but chose to look the other way. And that's why David's known as a great king but an incredibly lousy father because he didn't take initiative to correct what actually had happened. You know, um, earlier during the announcements, we talked about how pastor's going to be starting a new sermons of crooks, um, thieves, and thugs. And it's kind of interesting that God had formulated this message for me about two months ago and how when we choose to not forgive the people who've hurt us, it literally robs from our life. It robs from us. It robs from us, okay? It robs from our life. Now, Absalom was completely upset at his father for what had happened. It said that for two years, he didn't talk to his brother, he didn't talk to his family, and he took Tamar into his own home. And so um, two years later, Absalom decided to conspire against his brother, and he made this party. Um, and he, long story short, he ended up conspiring against his brother, Amon, who had violated his sister, and he actually killed him. And so Absalom was absolutely fueled by hate because an eye for an eye does not satisfy. And even though vengeance was in his hand, it didn't replace the hurt that he had felt inside of his heart. And just because we're able to inflict pain on someone doesn't take away the disappointment that we feel. You know, for Absalom, it wasn't good enough for him to kill his brother. He was still upset. He was still hurt. He was still disappointed. And the Bible says that he, that um, David was so saddened when he found out that his son Ammon died. And so later on in the Bible, we see that David reconciles with Absalom. But it wasn't enough for Absalom to get vengeance on Ammon. He still wanted more. He was still fueled with hate. He was still fueled with pride. He still wanted his voice to be heard. So in 2 Samuel chapter 15, it says that uh, Absalom would stand by the city gates, and as people would come in to ask the king for advice, he would, he would stop them at the city gate, and he would say, you know what? If I were king, this is what I would have done. And he has this political spirit on him where he made false and empty promises to the people. But these false and empty promises actually turned their hearts towards Absalom and away from King David. And so, you know, that wasn't enough for Absalom. Uh, we, as we go out more into the Bible, it talks about how Absalom actually began to overtake the kingdom. But you know what? That still wasn't enough for Absalom. We see that in the Bible that David actually runs away from his kingdom with a few soldiers who still believed in him. And so in the Bible, it states that Absalom actually, uh, he pitched a tent on top of his city palace and he called for the concubines. Remember, the concubines are the lovers of David. And he has sex in front of the entire city to make a proud statement that he was now the king. 
vengeance was still inside of his heart. Hatred was still inside of his heart. Hurt and pain was still inside of his heart. And we know that hurt people actually hurt people. Pastor has actually preached that message to us quite a bit about how that actually hurts and it affects us. And so we see Absalom's life and we see that vengeance was something that he just carried and hate and anger. And so he wanted to destroy who David was because pain was inflicted inside of him. You know, unforgiveness will literally destroy your life. It will literally destroy your life. Sometimes, you know, we get so hurt or we get so caught up in our pain that we just want to be right. We want people to understand our pain and we walk with pride and we're like, so-and-so did X, Y, Z, so-and-so did X, Y, Z. And no matter how many times we explain our story of hurt and pain, it still doesn't justify the pain that we feel. It still doesn't correct the problem. And so we have to understand that forgiveness for people is not... For them, it's for us. It's for us. It's for us. Then he took a deep breath. This is John 20, uh, 22 through 23. It says, then he took a deep breath and he breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? There's a scripture in the Bible, and this is from the message version, but there's a scripture in the Bible that says sin retains sin. And so in the message, I like what it says. It says, if you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? But I actually find it quite interesting that it says, this is Jesus talking. He says, then he took a deep breath and he breathed to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that forgiveness is a supernatural act. And I believe that Jesus knew that we were going to be inflicted with such hard pain and that we were going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to set us free because we can't do forgiveness by ourselves. We can't give forgiveness by ourselves, and we need the Holy Spirit to come into our life. You know, when we don't forgive someone's sin, we're literally holding on to them. You become the very thing that you didn't even like. You start to act like even that person who has caused pain upon you. And I'm sure sometimes you'll say like, well, I'll never end up like so-and-so. I'll never end up like so-and-so. They, they were so dirty to me. They did X, Y, Z to me. I'll never act like that. You know, and it's, it's kind of crazy because then I see the dynamic of certain relationships and I'll say, okay, so your dad walked out on you. And maybe you weren't as bad as your dad who walked out on you, but you're still absent in your home. Or maybe you'll say things about your mom like, oh, my mom was so mean to me and she said X, Y, Z to me. Well, maybe you're not as mean to your mom, but because you haven't forgiven your mom, you still act like her. Words still come out of your mouth. And so I find it really interesting that when we hold on to sins and when we hold on to the things where people have hurt us, it actually becomes who we are. You know, um, I remember when I was younger, I've had to practice a lot of forgiveness more than I've wanted to. I've definitely had my fair share. Um, growing up, you know, I, I definitely don't expose myself to glorify my pain. I don't expose myself so people could talk about me. I expose myself because I know I'm not the only one who's endured traumatic pain inside of their life. Am I the only one? No, I'm sure a lot of us have in a lot of different ways. And so I remember when I was younger, um, growing up, I always had people tell me that I looked just like my mom. 
And I used to hate it when people would say that to me. They would say, Rebecca, you look just like Rose. Or you look just like Rose. I'm like, no, I don't. I look like myself. But it was resentment that I was holding on to. It was pain that I was holding on to. Or they would say, Rebecca, you act just like your mom. And I'm like, no, I don't act like my mom. I act like myself. I have my own personality. But I was holding on to this resentment that I had towards her. And I remember when I was younger, um, there was a situation that had occurred when I was a child where I was actually abused. And I had brought it to my mother's attention. I was about eight years old. And um, I remember um, to this day, there was like a random diary. I had like a journal when I was a kid. And I remember um, in my own childlike mind, I didn't really understand what was going on. And so I had written in my diary, today I had sex with so-and-so. I didn't know what rape was. And I remember my mom finding that diary book and her questioning me about it and asking me, what is this and what happened? And so I began to explain to her the things that happened to me. And I remember her confronting this particular individual inside of my life. But the following week, he came back. And that was my first instant of what rejection felt like. That was my first instance of remembering what it felt like to feel unprotected. You know, the enemy will use hurt inside of our lives to cause hate and anger and rage and disappointment and unprotection and discouragement on the inside of us. And so not realizing it growing up, I had held this particular sin of my mom. And I remember just being completely devastated by her. And I remember just having resentment. Now, listen, I believe that when we forgive people, not all forgiveness needs reconciliation, okay? Not all forgiveness needs re reconciliation, but we all need to forgive. We all need to forgive. We all need to forgive people. We need to forgive situations. We need to forgive instances inside of our life. And it's not so that we are releasing necessarily just this person, but we are releasing ourselves from the grips of Satan. Because when we hide our pain, the enemy likes to use us and hurt other people as well. And so I remember particularly at this time, and when I grew up and I ended up getting saved, and I remember praying, I remember reading the scripture about honoring your parents. And I remember thinking, God, like, how am I supposed to honor her? How am I supposed to love her when she has hurt me so deeply? And I remember the Holy Spirit. This is for me, guys. And you know what? I just want to touch on a subject. It is so important that you understand who God is in your life, that you understand his voice, because sometimes God will call you to do hard things. And whether that's staying in a relationship or leaving a toxic relationship, you need his voice inside of your life. You need to be able to discern when it's time to walk away and when it's time to reconcile. And there's a season for everything. And so for me, this is my story, okay? This is my story and I'm not putting this demand on anybody else's life this is what God has asked me to do but I remember God saying Rebecca I want you to forgive your mother and I was thinking like man God I don't know if I can do that this is a really hard thing to do she left me and it wasn't just this it was there's a bunch of things that I've had to forgive her and I continuously have to forgive her for in my life and I remember thinking God I don't know if I can do this and so I think back to the scripture John 20 where it says the Holy Spirit said he took a deep breath and he said to relieve the Holy Spirit and if you forgive someone's sins they're gone for good 
okay? I needed the Holy Spirit to help me to forgive my mom. And I still need the Holy Spirit to help me to forgive other people inside of my life. And you know, I have to figure out and I have to use discernment on when to proceed in a relationship and when to stay away. Now, reconciliation for my mom didn't come easy. It wasn't like, okay, I forgive you. It took a lot of trial and error. It took a lot of times of like, oh, is this working? Oh, it's not working. Oh, is this working? Oh, it's not working. I had to pull on my spirit and I had to trust God to help me to figure out this hard thing inside of my life. You know, before I forgave my mom, I remember, um, you know, you know, the Bible says sin retains sin, that I actually started to act like my mom in a lot of ways. You know, that's funny, the things that I made it in front of my mom when I was younger, I actually like a lot. My mom used to love, um, animal print. I mean, everything was animal print. Everything was zebra print. Everything was cheetah print. And me and my sister would always make in front of her all the time. And so now I love cheetah print as well. Or my mom, she would actually love to wear red lipstick. And I would always be like, oh, that's so bright. And that's so ugly. And then now I love to wear red lipstick too. So it's funny how we, the people that we despise and the people that we don't forgive, we actually become like them. And before I actually actually got saved and gave my life to Christ, I remember that I would be super disappointed. Um, My mom, she tends to be extremely dramatic, depressed, anxious. She had words that could just slice your heart in half. Um, She had a horrible reputation in dating men. And I remember before I got saved, I began to do those things inside of my life. I began to date the wrong type of men in my life. I began to hurt people with my words. I struggled so deeply with depression. I struggled so deeply with insecurity. But the second that I was actually able to forgive my mom and be able to walk out that love was the day that I was actually able to embrace the good things about her. You know, some of the things that I actually do love about my mom, and we're in such a greater place now, but some of the things that I actually do love about my mom is she's actually a pretty funny person. She is extremely loud. I think I've toned it down a little bit. Um, She loves to talk. I remember growing up, we would go to the grocery store, and she could just strike up a conversation with anyone, and I would think, like, man, how how can she just go up to people and just start having a conversation? I actually really like that about her. Or my mom, she actually really loves community. Now, she does community a little bit different than I do. She likes to have parties, but she actually... She lo- it shows her genuine love for people. Her goal is to have a party and to make sure everyone feels included and everyone feels celebrated and she's a great host. And I was like, man, I love those attributes about her. But if I couldn't come to a place of forgiveness, I actually wouldn't be able to see the good things inside of her. And so it took the power of the Holy Spirit to help me to see the good things that are inside of her. You know, I was having a conversation earlier this week, and I was talking, I had invited um, someone to actually my message today, and she was like, oh, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about the power of forgiveness and how it releases in our life. And it got me thinking about my mom again. And I remember when I was a child, my mom used to say, Rebecca, I want to have a better relationship with you than I had with my mom. And I said, and I knew her relationship with her mother wasn't very good. Um, they always fought, and they just, it just wasn't good. But it made me think about the scripture of how sin retains sin, and how without actually knowing it, 
my ability to forgive my mom actually broke off a generational curse in me. So because I said yes to God, because I said yes to being obedient, because I said yes of doing the hard things, I'm not going to struggle when I have a daughter. I'm not going to have that type of relationship where I'm manifesting anger and hatred towards my child because I've chosen to forgive and release my mother of her sins. And so who are the sins that you guys are holding on to today? Who are the situ what are the situations that you guys are holding on to where you want to feel justified or you want to feel prideful that you are right? And you know what? You might be right. You actually might be right. You actually might have gotten extremely hurt. But who are you guys holding on to? What sins are you guys carrying on to? What sins are you refusing to forgive people of? Don't allow those sins to internalize on the inside of you. You know, I can't make you guys change. I can't make you guys follow God. I can't make you guys be obedient. But I can equip you. I can teach you. And I can lead you. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, let the meditation of my heart, my mind, my soul, and everything that I say be pleasing inside of your life. And I remember as I was preparing for this message, I said, God, fill up every broken hole inside of my life and inside of my body. I need your blood to seep through those places that I don't even see. And as I was preparing for this message, God began to bring instances and situations of people that I didn't even realize that I was holding on to their sins and I was holding on to unforgiveness and God says that if you will say yes and if you will lay those things down before me I will set you free but you know it has to come with agreement we have to first agree that we want to be set free in order to be set free you know we were uh, in Propel was it uh, last Friday and we were talking about how we know that there are things in our life that we're supposed to do, but we don't do them because they're hard. And so we have to first speak things into existence. We have to first come into agreement to start seeing things manifest inside of our life. But we have to be careful with our hurts and our pains. You know, hurt actually hurts us in two different ways. It hurts us by the action that was committed, and it actually hurts through your recovery process. And if you don't learn to embrace your recovery process, you're never going to be able to overcome those things that hurt you. You're never going to be able to overcome those things that's caused pain or that has scarred you. Because you can't get over situations. You can only go through them. And a lot of times we want to run to different things and we want to run to certain people and we want to run to certain places because they feel good. But it's not until we bring our brokenness before God can we see God begin to magnify our lives. God's not afraid of your pain. You're afraid of your pain. And we need to make sure that we're bringing our pain to the right people. You know, hurt, it can rob us through our in inability to live a free life. When we don't deal with our disappointments, our disappointments begin to deal with us. We begin to hurt people who've never hurt us because we're in pain. We can't deal with, uh, when we don't deal with our disappointments, they steal from our children. They steal from our marriage. 
They rob us in our singleness, and we can't sustain any type of friendships because we can't trust anyone, and we're prone to get hurt, so we isolate ourselves, and it robs us from true community on how God created us. You know, Jesus said that in this life, we are going to have trouble, but cheer up because I have won the battle. It has to come to a place in our life where we're like, God, do we believe you or do we believe our pain? Do we trust that you're going to set us free? Or do we believe that this is just how life is always going to be for us? Life doesn't have to be like you're locked up in a jail cell. Life doesn't have to be a place where you're lonely. Life doesn't have to be a place where you feel misjudged or you feel like your voice is not heard. God wants to hear your voice, but he can't hear your voice unless you speak to him. And God is waiting for us. But you know what's so great about God? You know, we were singing reckless love and how God chases us down. You know, God, he's a gentleman. He doesn't force anything on us. He waits for us. He calls for us. He gives us opportunities. He brings divine people into our life. He doesn't pressure us. God wants to see you guys succeed more than even you want to. God wants to see you free more than you want to be set free. God wants to see you live out your purpose and your destiny even more so than you do. But in order to get to the other side, we have to go through some things. In order to get to step B, we have to be able to transition out of some mindsets that we have. People we need to forgive, things we need to lay down at the cross, things that we need God to take control over. In 2 Samuel 18, 31, 33, it said, Behold, the Cushite arrived and said, Let my, the Lord, king, receive good news, for the Lord has vindicated you today by rescuing you from the hand of those who stood against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all those who rise against you to do evil be dead like that young man is. The king was deeply moved and went to the upper room over the gate and wept. And this is what he said as he walked. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, how I wish that I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So we kind of see here that Absalom and David, they actually ended up going into war. And the Bible says that in just a bizarre, crazy way that Absalom's head actually gets stuck in between two tree branches as he was riding on a mule. And he ended up dying. And so now the entire city is excited and like, yes, victory, yes, we can go back to our kingdom. And the general standing before David and David's like, okay, well, what about my son? And the general's like, well, he's dead. You can go back to your throne. And the Bible says that David wept and he said i wish i had died instead of you oh absalom my son my son and i remember reading this and i remember like okay i get it you're a father your son died what dad wouldn't be sad but could it be that david was so disappointed in himself as a father that he allowed all of this to happen and he had felt unforgiveness in himself and I think that disappointment in our lives we don't recognize that we may be holding on to other people's sins but you might be even holding on to your own sins that you might feel disappointed even in yourself and in some of the choices that you've made for yourself and some of the things that you've been through in life if we can go to Hebrews 6 19 20 it says we have this hope 
as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You know, I find it interesting that the Bible says that Jesus is a forerunner on our behalf. That means that Jesus has already prepared ways for you in your life, that he's already set places of freedom for you before you've even arrived. But again, it is up to us to make that decision, to trust God, to lay down our hurts, to lay down our pride, to say, God, lead me into places that you have called me to be set free. And so I kind of want to do something with you guys today. Um, again, going back to Propel, we were talking about how we need to come into agreement with things before we can see the manifestation of that power. So we first need to be able to say, God, we want to be set free before we can actually find freedom. I'm going to ask everyone if you guys can just stand up with me. And I want you guys to just close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been making us feel even a little uncomfortable throughout this whole session and this whole service. And that there has been places and there has been people that you've been thinking about, sins that you've been holding on to. And we have to come with agreement in our mouth first in order to see the manifestation of God's power. And I'm just going to say a prayer really quick. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We call out an atmospheric change. We call out your spirit. We ask you to come into our lives. Show us places, show us things where we have not allowed you to be. These, this very phrase has literally set me free. And the phrase is, Jesus, give me an appetite. A lot of us know what we're supposed to be doing. A lot of us know the places that we're supposed to see. A lot of us know the healing that we want to see inside of our lives. But it's not until we come into a place of agreement can we see the manifestation of his power. And I believe that today, God is going to begin to unveil some people inside of your lives. And some of you guys are going to even be surprised because I believe God's going to give you guys images that it might even be yourself that you need to forgive. And so I want you guys to say these three words. Jesus, four words. Give me an appetite to forgive. And right now I believe the Holy Spirit is showing you people who you need to forgive. He's showing you situations who you need to forgive. He's showing you brokenness inside of your heart of things that you need to let go. But the Holy Spirit isn't saying that you need to do this alone. He's calling you to the altar of your heart. He's calling you to the altar of your heart. And I just hear that his heart is beating for you. Holy Spirit, we call out your spirit. We call out your presence. We call out your love. And right now, I just call you to the altar of your heart. And I believe 
that when you choose to forgive, that trauma is going to break off. I believe that when you choose to br- uh, forgive, nightmares are going to disappear. Anxiety is going to fade away. Destiny is going to open up. Hurt is going to be no more and there will be peace. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.